Happy Labor Day, Brainiacs. Boy, you're going to be glad you tuned into this episode. Why? Because we have the fabulous Ricky Phillips with us today, bass player for the band Sticks. Oh, and another band called Bad English and The Babies. Maybe you've heard of them. Not too shabby. And the usual blabberings between the big M and myself. So you're going to stick around for this whole show. Let's do this. Blabberings. And welcome to Blabber Brains Show. Happy Labor Day, everybody. What's up there, Big M? Oh, not much, not much. How's how's uh how's it hanging on Labor Day here? What do you got planned for today? No labor or labor? Um well, it depends on what happens with the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, if there's rain, then I'm not taking the door off my screen and porch where I'm at right now and have to adjust the hinges. Um so it depends. I'll be out. I'll be uh, you know, down the road here having some barbecue later in the day, but I'm hoping the first part of the day hangs in there where I could actually get some work work done and get this door um, fixed. I've been well, holding off for like all summer. <laughs> I mean, lazy. <laughs> now I really want to do it. So it'll be you'll be over here in October. I'll be like, yeah, that door doesn't open up all the way. It's going to slam a little bit. I I'll get to it before uh, Thanksgiving. Well, I got uh, I'm I'm in the no labor camp for Labor Day, so I'm just going to chill, take it easy, and uh, that's it, you know. But uh, heck, we got a, a a a great guest lined up today. Although uh, the Big M will not be able to attend. He's uh he's got a lot going on with his new EP that's coming out called Just Me and Hopefully You. So uh got the big release. Just he just released the video. It's having a little technical difficulty on the social media side, but you know, we, hopefully we'll get that straightened out. Yeah, it's been a nightmare. But this but the videos out there, even on YouTube and of course any streaming service, if you look me up, like I just just type in just me and hopefully you. And I think it's on 28 different um, streaming platforms in the world. Some, most of them I never heard of before. So yeah, so there's no excuse not to hear it. But anyways, yeah, our special guest is Ricky Phillips from Sticks. We can officially say that because he's been in the band for like 20 years now. You know, I mean, we know from uh, Bad English and the Babies, and those are all very popular bands and big bands. But uh, you know, he's been he's been a member of Sticks now for 20 years. I can't believe that. That's like you know that's half the time that I've little, almost half the time that I've been seeing sticks live and almost half the time that I've actually seen Ricky live. I've the first time I saw Ricky perform was with the babies opening up for sticks. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's a long time uh, ago. That was uh, in 1980 on the cornerstone tour. And, uh, the, the, they were on the union jacks tour and, um, so uh, it was a great show. Of course, I had no idea who Ricky Phillips was at the time. Uh, he said, it, I think he told me before that, uh, that that's like how he even met Sticks was on that tour uh, and got to be uh, friends with, with Tommy Shaw. So um, be interesting to hear what he has to say. Uh, we'll have, I'm sure we'll have a good conversation. But, um, you know, speaking of, of music and musicians, um, you had a, an interesting post this week. Of course, a lot of people are jumping on and about Ozzy splitting uh, his home out in California, going back to England, which I think he had a part-time home there anyways. 
Um, I think he was just trying to draw some attention to himself because he said he's leaving because of gun violence. But, you know, there's gun violence no matter where you go. I mean, you know, England, matter of fact, the gun violence is on the rise, which is weird because, you know, they have super, super, super strict gun laws over in the UK. So the fact that they're that, you know, I don't know to them. A, a rise might not be anywhere close to what it is here in the United States, but if it's big enough for for to make the news that there's a rise in gun uh, crimes and gun violence in the UK, and that's uh, that's probably not good. You're probably gonna run into it wherever you go. I think he was probably planning on making that move, anyways, and decided to try to get some press out of it. Maybe it's a legitimate thing that he fears for his family's life with gun violence, although I'm pretty sure he probably lives in a gated community and probably doesn't have to worry about that. And I'm sure he doesn't go out and do his own shopping at Walmart and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, under, I don't even understand. The only reason I shared it on my social media was because I know how many people I see on social media, screw this person, screw that person, go to hell. I'll never listen to her music and all that. Okay, and most of the time when the people are yelling and complaining about that, they really weren't listening to that musician anyhow. Right. I wanted to see how many people I know, which let's face it, most of Ozzy's crowd is probably, at least here in the U.S., is probably older conservative men at this point. They might have been more liberal years ago when they were younger. That's sort of kind of how things evolve as people get older. So I wanted to see, I wanted to see all the people I know who complain about musicians and if they're liberal – see what they would say about Ozzy, and it was crickets. You're the only person who, who said anything, and then John Owen did it, you know, four or five days later, he came across my post, but I just wanted to prove the point that, see, they really like Ozzy, he said, oh, ignored it, that, that he didn't say that. And I, uh, you know, well, go ahead, finish your, your and, and the thing is, I don't know if I'd say that for publicity, because if anything, it would tick off probably a bigger portion of his audience than would than anything because i know his audience a lot of them are you know i mean you know they're they're, they're older people and they may live their life in a liberal manner but you know they, when it comes to everything else they're fairly uh conservative i just think that i don't know i don't i just think that it does i don't get it i don't understand why he like he's worried about himself just like when when i remember years ago when freddie mercury died of aids he's like you know, I can't do his accent, so I'm not going to try to imitate him. Lover <laughs> in English, I can't speak an English accent. But he said the whole thing. It worried him because he said it could happen to him. Well, if he's married and he's in a, just him and his wife, how's he going to get AIDS? Right. You know, even if it was from unless he's just shooting up in his arm or something. So I don't know. I just think that I don't know. I'm not as big of a. I I love the old Black Sabbath music. The Aussie stuff, yeah, it's okay. Some of it I do like, but I could care less about it. I don't understand the big love for him that some people have where, he, you know, he, all the drug problems. He runs and leaves his wife. He tries to kill his wife when he's all drunk and on drugs. I mean, I just, I'm just not that. I, I, mean, look, I, I, I think, think he's a putz myself. I think everybody de deserves a, a, a new start, whatever. But the, the point is... Um, where Ozzy lives is of no concern to mine. I really couldn't care less if he's in the United States or Canada or Zimbabwe or the UK. He he can live wherever he wants to live. It doesn't affect me. Um, you know, I'm, I don't think, 
you know, I'm not going to call him a clown or whatever. I did. No, it just doesn't make any, uh, it doesn't matter to me enough to, to do it. My only post on your thing was talking about the, the, you know, it's weird that he's doing that as news is coming out of the UK, brand new news about the, the rising gun violence in the UK. So I just thought it was kind of yeah. ironic. Yeah, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't get most of what he says <laughs> and what he, and what he does, frank, frankly, you know me, Mike. I'm one of the people. I don't understand how he's as big as he is, and you know, I really, I really, I really don't get it. Right. I really don't get it. But uh, no, I'm a big, I'm a big Black Sabbath fan with him, and also the Ronnie James Dio stuff. I love too. Maybe right. I like that even more too, because it kind of, kind of was the forefront of what heavy metal started to be. That true. English style heavy metal became, you know. Yeah, yeah I think we talked about that before. I think I prefer um, the the Dio years of Sabbath more than anything. Um, it, I don't know why it was just it was just a good sound for what they were trying to put out and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I mean it wasn't well, it wasn't around as long, and um, I mean as far as I do like the traditional Black Sabbath stuff, but a lot of that, a lot of those albums were recorded on cheap. You could hear the sound quality of them or some of the songs like on the same album weren't it varies from one to the other everything was recorded so quickly i think but yep. they spent on the first album fifteen hundred dollars now granted back then <laughs> in that time maybe it'll be around seven or eight thousand dollars now but still yeah. that's that's in, that's insane that's like and that's like that's like what you pay to go get a demo like of one song or something I you know, know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy and i mean that's because they were such a tight a tight band but you want to hear Tony Omi really plays best guitar. Listen to that Heaven and Hell album. Right. You know, I mean, geez, was it Lonely is the Word or whatever? Man, he's just, I mean, his guitar playing is so different, you know, and not that it was, it's not great in South, but man, I mean, and it stuck with Ozzy, but it's Ronnie James Dio in there. It took him just completely, to me, took his guitar playing from, yeah, that's really good, classic rock to, man, this is really good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. There's, um, you know, one of the things, though, too, about at least about Ozzy, I'll give him that um, at least over the years, he's, you know, there's so many people. And I want to talk to Ricky a little bit about this as well. There's just so many people and so many bands, musicians and bands that keep trying to put out new music. And it's just it fails for it. Like they just cannot write anymore. And, you know, maybe they just you know are burned out of ideas or whatever but but you know like sticks is one of these bands that put out a, a new album uh two new albums of, of re in recent years and their one album the mission to me is like one of the best sticks albums ever and the 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 proof of that is the reception that was uh, by the fans to the point where they they played a a good handful of shows to sold out shows where they were doing the mission in its entirety like from beginning to end and um you don't see new bands doing that because it's like they they if the best they might do is play one or two of the new songs slip them in there somewhere and just bury them in amongst their catalog of of hit songs and stuff like that so but Ozzy at least still even in recent years is still sounding like Ozzy and writing songs that sound like Ozzy. So or I'll give him that much. Yeah, well, whoever it is, that, it, 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 I mean, whether he's making a good decision for the people that he's working with to help write the songs, um, 
I, I know that there's big, huge controversy in, in the past, you know, especially like with Jake E. Lee and with Randy Rhodes and everybody that and uh, that have contributed to the band and music writing and stuff like that. And Ozzy took credit for it all. But I still think that he, I mean, he, the guy is not, not stupid. He might be sh- like shrewd and he might be a shark and he might be a jackass when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't stuff, even but, think it's him. I think it's, I think it's, his well, wife it could be Sharon. It could be Sharon, but probably, but, he's probably a really nice guy. You know, when it comes to music, I, you know, Ozzy's not a slouch. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what's good. He knows what his sound is, whether he's writing it or he's choosing someone else to write it for it. He's not putting out stuff that just like, what is this crap? You know, even his last album with black Sabbath was actually really good. If oh, you, if you heard that? it. I, yeah, I bought it when it I bought it when it came the day it came out. I was looking, I was looking forward. I mean, to it. it was probably it, I, it's it, now. This is obviously up for debate, but it, it might be one of the best Black Sabbath albums with uh, with Ozzy singing on it. So yeah, I mean, it's an EP. I mean, I think was there like five five. Oh, songs? There was more than that. I think there were, wasn't wow. there like seven songs on there or something. No, it's an EP. No, it's, a tr- it's a true EP, and. Um, yeah, it is re- it really good. And it did take you back sort of into the seven. It, you know, I always thought, you know, that it would have been great if Sabbath, say, 20 years ago, but have gone back and did all, all grab from the early days, from the sev- late 60s into the early mid 70s, all their best songs that everybody knows and gone into the studio with today's technology. And the way to get the guitar to sound beefy and that pumped up sound to re-record like an album worth of 10 of their best tunes from then. Can you imagine listening to with modern recording technology and not being done on cheap, listening yeah. to War Pigs or something <laughs> like that? I mean, it would be it would be fan it would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, it's it's always just interesting to me. And I, you know, I'm not gonna name any bands because i don't want to throw people under the bus but there's just so many bands that they'll come out with music and it'll be like oh this is the best stuff we've ever written and i'll i'll get get the album of course i have you know apple music uh, subscription and so i can listen to it you know as part of the the, the subscription yeah, I, yeah, I that, and yeah. i'll listen to it i'm like there, there's not a good there's not even a usable song on the whole entire album how are they think i mean I, I know they have to say that to get people to listen and whatever but why are you going through the trouble of recording something that you, you have to know is just garbage it's not very good somebody i don't get around it him, somebody around him is telling them that it's good i don't know mike i could show you no you, from- you these you know these musicians have been around for for decades they know when they've written something gold or not and some of know, them i don't think do anymore but i got it would be there might be a little a little little different i mean you're talking there's not a lot of bands that are going to be like a sticks that you know and i'm sure there's a lot of casual fans you know they've been around forever people have gotten older and moved on and they don't listen to a lot of new music and they don't go to concerts anymore, but they're one of the few bands from that era, you know, from the, I would say late, as I consider it, late classic rock era. I mean, they're not, you know, like the Rolling Stones come out in 63, 64, but they're one of the few bands that, you know, still have enough core audience to keep them touring and touring and really in big, big places. You know, I mean, you see a lot of the bands that are, you know, where we live in, you know, in, in, in the Pittsburgh area, they're playing venues that are, you know, maybe 
you could get a thousand people in there in there and there's not a lot and there's still seats left you know yeah. the night of the show there's not a lot of those bands anymore from that era you know right before the hair bands and everything that are out there that have that have a core audience that they could just say you know what we're gonna go to the Moise out we're gonna go to Iowa we're gonna pick out a city there and play and they're gonna and they're gonna get you know they could get fifteen or twenty thousand people, maybe more, to show up. I mean, they, it's just there's not a lot of bands that are able to do that. Well, and Stick, Sticks, you know, for to their credit, is one of those bands. I mean, they they're still going strong. They're still touring all year long while writing new music and putting out albums and just nonstop. I mean, and they're you know obviously these guys aren't getting any older. The younger they the now the granted there's only you know Chuck travels with them and doesn't play that much and jy is really truly the only original member left in the band for the last 50 years tommy's been in there for you know for 46 years he's been in the band uh 47 46 47 years you know that that's a long time to be just you know go 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 and still you know being on top and still selling out shows no matter where they go so um, yeah, it's rare. You know, most most bands just burn out and fade away. I mean, and, and you know, as as I'll tell you, and I'm, we we really can't make this too long because I I want to make sure I give enough time for for Ricky. And I know that you've got a lot to on your plate to take care of with your EP and and stuff like that. But um, you know, I was just reading something by uh, Stephen Piercy the other day, and uh, he I find him more interesting the more I listen to him in interviews. Um, because, you know, he, like, he talks about things like, look, I know I'm not a good singer, but I'm a good front man. And I, I, I'm good for rat. I know I can't, I know, I know I'm not, a good, I'm a, I'm a much better songwriter and even a guitar player and drummer than I am a singer. And he, so he admits that, but he says, look, it, it, it's rap. But the one thing he just said in a recent interview is said, we should have called it quits after Robin died. He said, because just trying to piece things together and trying to keep it going, it's not rat and it's not fair to the fans to uh, put together something that's a makeshift band and call it rat and put it out there in front of people. I mean, you never hear that kind of honesty from from people in bands that are just trying to milk it for all it's worth and trying to keep their 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 name going and trying to keep their music going. I found it refreshing. I mean, yeah. he's taken he's taken a beating over the years from people chopping into him. I mean, I remember I'm not going to go into all things some of the video footage, you know, from you know being a little too under the influence on stage. Always, he's always under you know. That was stage. really that one was really bad when he was laying back and laying on a drum back be, up, be, up by the drum riser and laying on his back and just kind of going at it. No, but I think what ends up helping. It's a little harder with the hair bands than it is for, say, a six. I mean, six still put, no, they're going to give you a show and they're going to get in and it's going to look like going to a rock concert, but they're not out there trying to be, you know, like Motley Crue. How many people on this tour I've, you know, you keep reading about it, people here on social media after they left this town that they're like they saw the, yeah. you know, and, and surprise! Everybody said the same thing. Well, it's it mostly Vince. It's mostly well, Vince. But even some of the other stuff that I've I've actually seen it and listened to, it's like sloppy. It's it's, it's awful. It's bad. They're just trying to survive the show. And the thing is, they're the big draw. But everybody that I've 
that I've talked to who've been to the show locally and anything that I've read, I'm connected to thousands of people on social media. And it doesn't surprise me. They're not one of my favorite bands by any means, but they always, but of course, Def Leppard is the band who is precision. It's super tight. They, they've the worked at that. Is, the sound quality is great. You know, maybe sometimes the vocals might not be quite where they need to be, but the music, and that doesn't, and it, I mean, how can I, how would I not be surprised by that? Even though I'm not a fan of the band, I would expect out of all that whole group, even the way they record their music and the music that they wrote when they were at their biggest was very well put together and tight. And, you know, I wouldn't expect any, I wouldn't expect anything less from them. Really. Right. And I mean, since you're mentioning them, I mean, they are one that like, I, I really tried to find, a, a great song or even a really good listenable song in their new album. And I haven't heard it yet. Maybe I need to give it a better listen, but you know, Joe Elliott to his credit has really tried to work with trying to make his sound and with the rest of the band still sound like Def Leppard, even though he just can't hit those big notes anymore. So he found a range that works with him and singing also singing falsetto, actually probably pretty good to the point where it still sounds like, Def Leppard when you hear them live and it helps the fact that the other guys are singing as well. So, so, I mean, I, th I think that that's just, that's showing that they care enough to say, we can't just go out there and mail it in and people deserve, or, you know, better than that. And I like bands that do that. I like bands that say, look, you know, the people are paying a lot of money to come see us. They're expecting a good show. We can't just go out there and mail it in. And I feel like that's what Motley Crue's in, doing. I think that they're just saying, we don't care if we suck. We're just going to go out there and make them make the money because we, you know, who cares if we sound good or not? Well, there's, people are, there, there's a big difference. I mean, you know, I, and people seem to like said Poison was really good. Joan Jett was really good. But Poison, I, I've, I've watched some of the footage at some of the shows that they've done. And I'm connected to Ricky Rocket, who actually is a pretty cool guy. And, yeah. um, you know. It, well, Brett's a good guy, too. Yeah. You know. I, I'm a, I, I haven't exchanged any messages on social media with him. But uh, yeah, he seems like a cool guy, too. But they still... They're the, they're the band that puts on the best show right. that oh, night. Yeah, usually, yeah. You know, and that's how you hear that. And they sound they sound pretty good. And one of the things that I've noticed. And they look like they're still having fun. <laughs> yeah. And the surprisingly, over the years, CC DeVille keeps getting better as a guitar player. <laughs> I mean, you know. I think he's, he's cleaned his act up, too, though. He he was another guy that was a, that yeah. was a big junkie and stuff like that and was always going on stage drunk. And I think he's been clean and sober but and stuff. And some of the stuff he's playing, playing it's better. like. I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is really, this is actually really good. You right. know, <laughs> where before it was a lot of throwing around on the ground and dive bombs on the tremolo and making all the noise and squeals and that. Right. But I mean, he's actually playing, sounds pretty damn, pretty damn good to me for an 80s style, uh, style guitar player. But I think with Motley Crue, I mean, you got, you, you got, a, you got Tommy Lee who's still taking his, uh, Jaeger machine, so you could do shots of cold, Jaeger, freezing cold shots of Jaeger. I mean, you got Mick Mars who could barely walk at this mm, point. He's like a walking corpse. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, that he has no control over. And you got Vince Neil that's just a complete mess. And right. I, I thought he'd clean himself up. I just think at this point, they're just like, I hope we could survive this. And probably Nikki Six is probably the only guy, sort of, kind of. Healthy and not 
really right. doing anything stupid. And he's, you know, not that he's the most sophisticated bass player out there. But he keeps a no. real solid rhythm. Yeah, so if, if he plays what fits the music, you know, right? And he does, yeah. and he does, and he does it, and he does it, does it well. Mm. But interesting. You know, so, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here a little, little early. Uh, like I said, we want to give uh, Ricky some some time, and it's going to be really odd doing the interview without you, Big M. But we understand. Uh, you know, it's, you have to do what you have to do. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. and, and make sure everybody. I mean, there's no excuse not to go out and download the album or listen to the album or do whatever you can. It's on every streaming service. It's called Just Me, and hopefully you. Uh, new video out for it is called "Your Scars Are Beautiful." Mike did uh, the video, by the way. Oh, you it's don't have really to give good. Me for that, but uh, thank you. And, and uh, it was a lot of fun to put together. And I think it just all just came in, and, came into place. You know, and, it, was, it was good. And Chip, Chip Dominic, with his oh, great business, job on the sound, yeah. Before and after music group, uh, he did he did the mixing, the mastering, the engineering, and um, never worked with them before, and it it came out. It came out really well. All it is is just a vocal track and an acoustic, and acoustic track guitar. and about 30 seconds of added acoustic over the whole five songs combined. Right. Yeah, it's really raw and uh, good good music. So make sure you guys give it a good listen. And uh, I'll be back. <laughs> the big M will be back on the next show. So uh, hang in there tight. And um, uh, also, you know, Sticks is coming to Pittsburgh. For those of you uh, in the Pittsburgh listening area for the Blabber Brain show, uh, there might still be some lawn seats left. Uh, make sure you grab a ticket and come out and see them because that's always a good time, too, because they got Oreo Speedwagon. They got um, Loverboy. Um, who actually still really sound good, no matter even if Mike Reno's, you know, really big now, but he still can belt it out and still can uh, sing all the songs that, that he could sing. And from just added, from what I understand, is Donnie Iris, too, so is on, on the bill. So should be a Ari really good show. I thought Aria Speedwagon was a part was part of it. I'm wrong. It is. I just I said Aria Speedwagon. Oh, okay. And I think I think they've been trading off who's headlining or not. So I'm not sure who's headlining. But uh, sorry, no blabber boast today, folks. Uh, maybe next time, and we're gonna try to squeeze more of these shows in. It's only been about two months since our last one, so we're, we're getting a little bit better at this. Anyway, so um, all right, we'll catch you after the break, folks. Yeah. See you guys soon. Blabberings. Back to Blabber Brains show, we have the one and only Ricky Phillips with us. Let's give him a big round of applause. Thank you. Uh, uh, you can't hear it, but the the studio audience is going nuts right now for you. You're, <laughs> you're still you're still a fan favorite man. with the studio audience. Sure. <laughs> so I appreciate you you taking the time out. I know you guys are you know really busy uh, tour right now. Uh, the, is this the last leg of your tour? This this is the last leg of this tour. Um, this is the fourth and last leg. It's been going really well. We started, I think, number two in our uh, genre, I guess you'd call it. Um, and now we're the number one. one. We By the second leg, we were the number one grossing. Um, and this, of course, this doesn't count the Rolling Stones and the stadium tours and everything, but in, in filling up uh, the um, all the places around the country, which has been a blast. So all the bands are 
having fun. Uh, Mike Reno and I have been playing a little bit of golf when we can on days nice. off. And they're a fantastic. I mean, if you haven't seen Loverboy in a while, I hadn't. They're just fantastic. In, just in online videos. I have. I, last time I saw them live was maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. Yeah. So. And then the Oreo and Sticks have had a long, ongoing oh, yeah. sort of uh, friendly rivalry and, and, <laughs> a bro- and a brotherhood, really. I mean, we... We razz them as hard as they razz us, and have for years. And they're good, they're good guys, and they still bring it too. So it's been it's been a fun fun run, but a little exhausting. Um, I don't don't even know exactly why. Couldn't right. be because we're getting older. I don't think. Not that you need any introductions, but for those of you who are late to the game, Ricky is the bass player for Sticks for what almost twenty years now. For crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Bad English and the Babies and David Coverdale and Ronnie Montrose and a handful of other wonderful musicians that he's played oh, with a, over the years. That's a better introduction than I get during our gig. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're featured right now, so what the heck. But, yeah. um, and you got, you. speaking of getting older, you do have a mile marker birthday coming up, I think, don't you, next uh, month? Yes, I do. It's, uh, I, it's, you know, I probably would be freaked out if I really believed it, but it's just, <laughs> unfathomable to uh, have been doing what I do and getting away with it for as long as I have and enjoying life and, and I feel blessed, but it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, not only will I start my 20th year with sticks, we always count September 11th, which is Tommy Shaw's birthday. We had a big party I when they had uh, asked me to join the band. First right. got the phone call from Todd Sickerman. I think you and I had told this story, but I'll repeat part of it. It's Todd and I met doing sessions and those people who don't know who Todd Zuckerman is are probably not drummers or lovers <laughs> of incredible drumming. And he and I did sessions in Los Angeles together. He called me and said, Hey, look, I just found out that JY and Tommy are going to call you and offer you. He called it the, uh, the, the chair, which is a very jazz terminology. I had to get a giggle out of that being the rocker that I am. But right. he said, uh, they're going to offer you, you the bass chair. Are you going to take it? Are you interested? I, I asked him if I could be the first to call, you know, blah, 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 which is so cool to have that relationship. Heck yeah. With bass player and the drummer and then have him have the heart to do that. And he said, Tommy's going to be calling you here in a few. And I just wanted to, wanted to be the first. And so that's how it started. And it's been, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of, I had a lot of music to learn in a short amount of time. I, I remember I was, I, I didn't leave my studio for, I would say, probably three or four weeks before I had to finally put it to a test with the guys. And uh, now here we are, as I said, starting this 20th year coming up. Uh, man, pinch me. Wow. What a ride, huh? I mean, I mean, first of all, you know, I guess you don't even think that far ahead i mean that hey i could be with these guys for 20 years whatever but and especially now i mean as long as you've been going with them and as great as you guys have been doing on tour and everything like that um is this your the band you're retiring with is this your ride or die band (laughs) well i have to be careful what i say because most of the things i've said been disproven (laughs) but uh well, just you your know, ambition anyways. anyways. I mean, you know, I, I suppose I saw B.B. King when he was 93. Wow. You know, sitting in a chair, but doing it, you know. Um, it's, it's crazy uh, what the possibilities are 
I hope we, I hope we keep going for, we knew it. We don't just, we don't discuss ever stopping, right? but you never know what's around the corner. Life brings you all kinds of issues and things. So. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I, I don't know that sticks would have the longevity that it's had if if Tommy would have lost his voice along the way. I know well, he, he protects his voice like an instrument, and but so many other singers from that era have just blown their voice out. They don't even sound the same. They can't tour. It, and if, even if they try, it just sounds horrible. Some, Tommy sounds, in some ways, stronger now than he did back then. And he which, might be because yeah. he, he cares and he, he works. He's taught me a lot. And, and right. I'm twice the singer I was, but I thought I was a pretty good singer, but man, I, I would lose my voice. I didn't know how to approach. I don't even think about it now. And I probably don't even, couldn't even explain what it is that I do now that he taught me starting 20 years ago. Right. Uh, and, um, but it's, it's phenomenal what you could do if you take care of your voice, um, warm it up properly. We all, we all go face to face. I have, I have a really cool little video I did of my dad who just, he's 90 this year, but wow, this is a couple of years ago. I, I made him, he had a little trouble walking up the stairs, but I made him come up and sing the vocals. We get face to face and sing all the key parts of, of the, of the set right. full bore face to face. So we can see that we're moving into the same place, same time. The harmonies are nice and lush. And I made him sing, sing the warm up for this. So I've got this little video actually J-Po, our uh, assistant tour manager filmed it while while he was singing with us. But it's a it's a ritual that we do every night. Uh, it's more than a ritual. It's it's a necessary piece of why we go out and can kill it confidently. Right. I haven't. I'm going to jinx myself cool. right now. But I haven't lost my voice in 15 years. Wow. And <laughs> I I used to lose my voice just because of all the intense singing we have, and um, by singing properly and breathing properly and uh, a lot of little little things vowel sound techniques as for as i don't ever sing ah because that closes you off all these things that tommy has taught me um has and all of us he's made us all better singers well yeah i mean and and i don't think a lot of people think about that with backup singers mm -hmm. right that uh that for the harmonies and stuff like that you always wonder like i, I remember seeing uh sticks and reo in tampa a couple of years ago as a matter of fact i took took my my daughters to the show and uh i, I told them just a little side note i said you know, you, you've never experienced a concert until you go to a, an outdoor amphitheater and you watch it in the rain, in the pouring down rain. I said, but you're not going to experience that here because we're undercover and it's not supposed to rain whatsoever. It poured, I mean, like, like for like at least a half hour out of nowhere, this big thunderstorm comes up. And of course in Tampa, they just have, it's just a sun covering. So we got soaked anyways, you know, in the show, but yeah. Kevin, Kevin Cronin had laryngitis at the time and he couldn't sing full voice. And uh, so they didn't get to experience that. But uh, I, you know, so you see that from time to time, but nobody stops to think, well, what if the backup, you know, the, the people doing all the harmonies and stuff like this, if they can't sing, would it, would it sound much different? And yeah, that, the answer is yes. If, if, if the, the key vocals aren't there to back that all up and create those harmonies, it's going to make and, and a, I, a drastic difference. For certainly sticks and some other bands as well. I'm, I mean, let's go back to the Beatles. Um, if it wasn't for all those guys having that blend that they had, that magical blend the Beatles in particular had, who knows if they would have been as big as they were. It is, there's, you, you key in on Tommy's voice, you key in on the lead singer, JY, you know, 
when he does anything from Miss America to Lorelei to all his signature songs. Right. Nobody, nobody sings like that. I mean, who's no. got that? People? I mean, I've tried. But, <laughs> and, uh, and at his age, too, still belting it yeah. out, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, we just, I guess the only point I was trying to make, uh, I don't mean to labor this thing, but we we don't do this by accident. I mean, we're it's, it's a part of our routine to save our voices, keep being able to give the, our all instead of just kind of be careful. I, I guess I can't go for that note tonight or whatever. It's every <laughs> night we're going full bore. Right. And I guess I, that um, brings me to another uh, interesting observation with the last two albums you, you guys have had. Um, I'm noticing that there are three key sounds to the, I'll call it the new sticks, right? There's, you guys still try to keep that classic sound that if you listen to it music and harmony wise, it's like you're listening back in the seventies and eighties. Right. And then you have this, um, like quasi mix of that and something new. And then you have something that's completely different than, than sticks ever sounded like, you know, you know, crash of the crown and the mission have a, a blend of all three of those together. And, I'm just wondering, like, is is there a, like a conscious effort to keep a certain stick sound or are you intentionally redeveloping it or is it just naturally happening and occurring so with we each are song? Actually, a little bit of all of that, uh, but, but very conscious of, like, I have songs that I thought, oh, this, this is great. Okay, I can't wait to play. And then I'll go, I'll, I'll, I won't even play it for them because I go, this doesn't sound like sticks. It's a right. different genre. It's a different, you know, rock is a pretty large genre, if you, what right. you call rock. I mean, it, it's all over the map. And so we need to stay in that window. We need to stay um, adding to the, um, the catalog with like you know, similar sounding approaches. There's, um, God, there's, it seems like we, everybody would have done everything by now, but there's, it's it's an endless <laughs> void of things you can do musically, right? And but we try not to copy ourselves. If you if that makes sense, I mean, just sound keep in the same vein, but don't let's not do this. Oh, that same C D G B, you know, right? Chorus. Yep, yep. So um, and everybody seems to be. It's funny how you'll go through these periods of you, you just don't like anything you're writing, mm-hmm. and then you're driving one day and some little you know, noodle of, of the night. It's like Tommy tells the story of driving in for the Paradise Theater album, I think it was, and, he, and too much time on my hands. He didn't have a rock song that the bad guys were really leaning on to do the big rock song for the record, and he didn't have it. And then all of a sudden, in his head, and right. you know, this is in the 70s, so there were no, you know, you couldn't grab your, your phone and, and, and like sing into, <laughs> sing into right. it. So he said he had to... It's about an hour drive or whatever it was, and he had to remember that. But um, we do, it is a conscious thing. But I think also when we get together now, me, I've been trained, if you will, to sing like they do. And so it is a sort of, it's hopefully a continuation and that, you know, we're staying in our, in our lane, <clears throat> not because there are other places to go. There's plenty and we've all, we've written them and got, we play each other our song ideas, but I mean, then, then all of a sudden people are going, well, now who are these guys? You know, I mean, you know, it's, we don't want to confuse what, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably breaking this down even too much. We don't really give it that much of a conscious thought. We mm-hmm. just naturally move in that direction. And Will Ivankovich, who produced, <clears throat> excuse me, Crash the Crown and the Mission, we brought him into the band um, 
at a certain point. Um, and he's probably more of a stickler than any of us. He really? knows every single <laughs> stick song forwards and backwards inside and out. What instrumentation that Tommy and JY have forgotten were even there. They're in yeah. the back. Right. Um, and he, he's, so that's been refreshing for us. Uh, at first I was kind of like, well, wait a minute, why do we need another guy? I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> and it, it didn't, it, it didn't just like happen. Well, let's do this. I mean, it happened over because we enjoyed working with him so much. Just a good producer. And he was bringing such incredible things out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, we weren't stuck in a rut. We weren't doing, we, we all, we take this seriously. We prepare, we write our parts individually in our home studios that we get together. They feed us material or, or Will would feed, feed me material in my, to my studio. Um, and I'd bounce it down and, and work on writing parts. And he'd had ideas for parts that I either liked or I didn't like. And um, but then we get face to face, or at least I got face to face. During COVID, I flew to Nashville. Well, some of the guys did their parts from their home studios just to be safe. We didn't know what was going on at that time, if you can recall. And, uh, but I knew I needed to be face to face with both Tommy and uh, Will to, because I have, if you don't like this, I got this, you know, kind of, I'm that kind of a guy. I've got right. a little bit of an arsenal because I know over the years of recording with everybody from, you know, John Waite to Jimmy Page to Neil Sean to, you know, these guys are particular and they're not necessarily going to love what you love. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of the beast. So you don't want to have it to be an argument. You want it to be a conversation and you got to be prepared for that conversation to go in different directions. And so that's the way I've always worked. And, uh, and, it, and this was a good decision, especially on um, Crash of the Crown. I think the mission, we were all able to get face-to-face in Tommy's studio in Nashville and at least here just through small amplifiers, play all the, all the material and work it out, and even vocally. Um, but Crash of the Crown is, is a pretty big sandwich, and, and it's, <laughs> I had to be, I knew I had to be face-to-face doing this like we're talking right now, although we have that technology. um, Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, you know, Will uh, has contributed a lot with the writing and I think that that, you know, his, his background is a a love for the sound and and the band of sticks and the music helps in in that writing. And I, I noticed too, I I think you were a, a bigger contributor this time around on crash of the crown and um so i i love the fact that like i mean so many bands have been around for a while people start to like kind of have their own individual contributions like okay this is my song this is your song this is whatever and the fact that you guys are still collaborating on on stuff is really cool um because it also shows a, a camaraderie within the band you know you're not just doing this for the money you're not mailing it in and you guys still like each other hopefully <laughs> and at least that's what it comes across we do. And, i mean uh, we see each other more than we see our families and yeah. we are kind of uh it's a it's a kind of corny to say this i know but it's it's a brotherhood it, it is uh it's a band of brothers out there and and we all have our own unique little different personalities one's the stray cat and one's the this and one's the that but it's uh it seems to fill all those missing parts together and, you know and it's working so we're not really over analyzing and we do disagree there are no right. there's no question but we fight fair you know it's like you got to learn how to do that so that when you walk out of the room, you're happy. Oh man, that that worked out. That's great. Not like you should have done it my way, you know. And right. I'm used, 
been in that situation. It's such a downward spiral. Um, so it's cool. I love being in this band for, for all those reasons. Well, I know a lot of, uh, like I said, bands that are still out there that have been around for a while that are still recording music for whatever reason. And this isn't every band, but this is a lot of bands out there. They, it's the same people writing the music, but they, they've seemed to have lost that magic touch of being able to write a good song. I mean, I'm not going to name names and throw people under the bus. I'm just not, but for whatever reason, when, uh, you know, I'm not going to go back through like all the, um, you know, right before you with, with Glenn and stuff like that. Cause that was still really good sticks music. But, yeah. you know, I, I thought that like the mission was like one of sticks best albums ever. And then crash of the crown was a great follow-up to that. Right. And a lot of people, even when they do do that, you know, they just want to make it show that they're, they're, they're still recording albums and getting it out there and, and writing music. And they'll play a couple of those songs live, but you guys have actually done, several shows of doing the mission in its entirety so i think that that speaks volumes to not only like how much you like the songs but how it's resonated with the fans otherwise you yeah. wouldn't be able to put a show together with people to come out and, and see it so um like what is that 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 key thing that like you guys are still able to do it and still able to come up with great songs that connect with people and play it live and have people you know want to uh, see something like a the, the mission in its entirety and other bands just can't do it i mean i know you can't speak for them but what do you think about sticks it's a good point and i've been there i've been stuck um and writing songs you know, eh, okay it's a song it doesn't really knock me out <laughs> and, and it, it, but but we took a long time even to come back to writing um we did a few things and they were good for what they were but the mission there was a big gap there before we the mission all of a sudden we were we found ourselves in live shows and you know been hanging out now it, it it built it built it built and guys were you'd hear somebody working on a song and you go oh that's cool it's sad and we jam we have a little jam room we always have so we can warm up and like just the other day i had this little little thing i started playing it's 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 a kind of a plucking it's a different kind of i never heard anybody do anything quite like this on bass and will heard it and grab Tommy and then they turn on the recorder and we put down my idea, but that's the, that's the way these guys are. Right. But it took us a while. Like I said, we had this gap where I don't want to say we're not inspired because everybody was doing other things and, but being able to all of a sudden go, Ooh, this is good. And this is good and build that pile. So all of a sudden you got a little arsenal. Now this is worth, this could be a good record. And that's kind of what happened with the mission. And, and, uh, Will being there uh, in Nashville with Tommy was very helpful. And then obviously on Crash of the Crown as well. But I, I, I wonder sometimes if when there's these big gaps of time in other bands, that I don't know the backstory is, if we didn't have this closeness and doing all the shows that we do, forcing ourselves to be in each other's faces, whether the mission would have come along. Because... Um, it's tough if you're just the singer, you're the main writer in a band. And, and I've seen these situations. I know these people, they're friends of mine and I, I know what they're up against. Um, and it's not easy folks. I mean, you can get lucky on your first, somebody wrote a cool song. And so you've got a hit on your first record. Okay. What are you going to do on your second record? A lot of people die there on the vine, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, there's no, no real one answer, but for some reason we've got the wheels back on the track. So, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy, really happy about that because there's still this is created and rejuvenated, and and there's some blossoming going on from the heels of both of those records. Yeah, you make a really good, interesting point too. I mean, that's how you come up with one-hit wonders or bands that can't follow up a, a really solid album with something else. Because even back in the day, it's like it's almost like they they caught lightning in a bottle with something or whatever, and they just couldn't replicate that long enough. But the the other problem that this creates is it's building an already enormously 50-year library of music for, for sticks and to pick and choose which songs to play live and stuff. That's why um, I really really appreciated when you guys used to do the 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 super medley and uh mm. start throwing in those those songs that like you never hear sticks play live or whatever or rarely hear them play live and you throw it all together as much as it seems like a like a throwaway to some people i think there's a lot of fans that are just like i can't believe they're playing some of this stuff this sounds amazing even if it's 10 seconds of it it's a awesome that they're that they have you know that about together it. do you know who put that piece of that piece together who put? I'm gonna let me guess. I'm gonna guess Todd. <laughs> On the nose. Yeah, that, <laughs> it, it, it's 18 songs that he cut together in this wow. into this medley, and uh, it represents the whole Sticks history in this flash of I don't know how long that thing is, maybe three and a half minutes or something yeah, like that. It's just long, yeah. And I'm telling you, that was. They just started doing that when I when I came into the band. So um, Todd had just written it, and I uh, that was a big. Uh, it was tough. Uh, that put you to the test, huh? <laughs> it really does because every I don't know fifteen seconds or or something, you're going into another song, and you're going in. How do you get there? And how is it seamless? And how does it? Yeah. So um, that was really good for me, probably because it made everything else much easier. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to, I'd actually like to re, if we have time, I'm, I'm going to maybe bring that up because that would be fun to revisit that. It was very, very cool. And, and yeah. can I just say something? Yeah. Because I don't want to overlook something we haven't talked about, and that's Lawrence Gowan. Yeah. Lawrence oh, Gowan amazing. Um, is a lot of this couldn't be done with, without that voice. That 100%. Lawrence, I agree. He there. There's not a note too high for him, and he sings <laughs> sings it so. He he loves the band. He was discovered by the band. He opened up on piano for the band in in, in Canada mm-hmm. uh, once, and they were. Uh, and so when the when the time came for you know them to need a new guy, um, and they said, "What about that guy?" And Todd happened to run into him. In London, it was for, I believe, Princess Diana's uh, life celebration. And I, I know it had a name for it. There was a, uh, but yeah, I know what you're about, yeah. he ran into him there and said, Hey, I, I ran into that guy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, now it's that guy, is Lawrence Gallen, who's written <laughs> incredible stuff for the band, sings incredible stuff for the band, has filled some big shoes. Oh, yeah. And does it with, with, he does it with great respect and he does it, he's just a, He's a class act and a hard worker. One of the hardest workers. He's always got his headphones on and playing his keyboards from the minute we get to this, you know, to the gig um, until we and go on a, stage. 
and what a showman too. I mean, he's just an absolute showman. I mean, you, you don't, you don't he's really, a ham. come on. I, I hate to say this, but you know, I know the hardcore sticks fans, you know, want to see Dennis and all this other stuff, but you like, if you really love sticks, you don't miss Dennis. I hate to say that with, with, with Larry there, because well, he's, you know, he's such a and showman and he's such a good all singer. With due respect to Dennis, Dennis did left some huge, you know, obvious imprint. Yeah. Uh, and songs and this legacy and so but i i feel like we can all play nice here it's just the fans if you're stuck in that realm we can't do anything about it that's okay but i mean if you listen to what lawrence has done uh and how he has lovingly with kid gloves respected the material but coming in being the ham that he is and the, the showman and the entertainer um it adds to it adds to the brew and um, he does it respectfully. He really yeah, he does doesn't it. try to replicate. He doesn't try to be Dennis DeYoung. In fact, Dennis DeYoung had a, a passive aggressive statements when he said one time, he goes, you know, Lawrence Gowan is the best Lawrence Gowan there is. He says, but I'm the best Dennis DeYoung there is. And I don't, I never saw Lawrence Gowan trying to be Dennis DeYoung or, or even trying to take his place. He's being the best Lawrence Gowan that he can be. And it's pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know, if I I always pick, especially when I was a kid, I always picked my you know here's now he's my favorite bass player. <laughs> right now it's now it you know it went from John Entwistle to Chris Squire. Well, I maybe moved back to John Entwistle at one at points, but then I you get, get older and you go wait a minute, they're incredible. They're both incredible. Right. There's not it's not this is not a contest. Folks. It's not an either or, right? <laughs> yeah. Why 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 do you have to choose one over the other and stuff? It's right. just it's silly. I think but that's something that just happens unfortunately but but he's been perfect know, for the sticks brand i mean he's perfect for the sound he's perfect for the brand he's uh absolutely he's been a, i mean god delivered him to the band <laughs> that's all i can say <laughs> but uh so yeah no i mean i i think that um and remember one time you know journey themselves have built a big huge library of music and one time what they did back when steve Ajeri was in the band singing is they did a tour for the fans so what they did was they put on their website a, a list of every single song mm -hmm. they've ever recorded back from journey one through generations or whatever tour they were on sure. i forget what it was yeah. and they let the fans pick what songs they wanted to play and now they didn't do the whole entire show like that but they did um probably about a half hour's worth of content of just the music that the fans picked and they played songs that that journey may have never played or haven't played since like the, the seventies and stuff. And all that. Yeah, so so have, have, have you guys ever considered doing something like that? Like something for the fans or let them pick the, some of the songs that you guys want? Um, no, well, not, not in a discussion, but you know, I've thought about that before. Now you got to be on your toes because that's a big catalog. You better have yeah. listened because some, so some of the songs are, are huge and I hear them on the radio, but we haven't played them in years. So, but, um, or, or not necessarily huge, but they're good song, great, really good songs. Right. And uh, to go to go way back to the even the you know wooden nickel days. Yeah, and, that's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, I would. Was yeah. it one penny, two penny? I mean, all Half stuff. Penny, two penny. Was, lot, lot of lot of sticks fans would be going, "What's that? What's that song?" Or what? There's a bunch of them. But it's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it would be for the hardcore fans, and I think that's what Journey had in mind because there, there's. Yeah. I guess the the hard part with that is there's so many casual fans that just show up. Right, they only know five stick songs you know or whatever and and the rest yeah. is just for for pure entertainment for their listening ears 
And, uh, but from my standpoint, when I go to a stick show, I see a lot of hardcore fans there that have been with you guys for a long time. Now coming up, this is my, uh, I started seeing, uh, sticks when I was 12 years old on the pieces of eight tour. And this will be my 44th year stick. I mean, pieces of eight just celebrated 44 years. It just got released the other day. And, uh, on top of that, um, on the my second tour with the the band Cornerstone, uh, little band called the Babies opened up for them, and <laughs> I believe that was the Union Jacks tour, and I believe you were on that tour. So this would probably make about uh, forty two years of me seeing you live in concert. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because I actually wrote the song Union Jacks, which was. Um, John Wade always, when I first joined the band, he said, I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. If you got a song idea, call me up and we'll, work, we'll put on the coffee. So we started, I had, I don't know, three or four, maybe five songs that I was showing John. And he said, whoa, this, let's do, let's do a mini, let's do like a rock opera with these songs. And let's write this story. Like I said, he immediately came up with that story about the downtrodden kid that didn't seem like he could get ahead he's in working in the north of london and or trying to get a job in the north of london he's just out of school and he can't get a job and he's got the girlfriend and he just doesn't feel like he owns up to anybody and he said this set up the caste system is sort of set up that way in britain and he said just goes back centuries so he wanted to write about it well we did it and it was pretty cool and the band dug it and the record company goes no way. <laughs> no. So John said, well, okay, we're, we're not going to be able to do this any way you can break this down to one song. And that's why Union Jacks is, is such a, it's, it's five minutes and something long. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I edited the best I could. Right. And so, th- so you're right. That's, that's when I first met the guys in Sticks is touring in, uh, let's see, I joined it. Babies in 78, so it would have been 79. And uh, we also toured with Alice Cooper that year. Uh, we toured with uh, Journey. That's mm-hmm. how, how uh, uh, Neil Sean and, and Steve Smith and I would jam on nights off in clubs and do stuff. And I invited Jonathan along. They heard him play and, and they saw him play every night, of course, on the stage with us. It's, it's, it's funny how things happen in, in this crazy, <laughs> you know, there's a, friendships. I don't know if people realize there's so many friendships amongst bands that you've seen and been and toured with. And um, it's like me and Reno going, getting away from everybody and going playing golf. Uh, Mike right. Reno uh, or, or me and Bruce Hall. I mean, Dave Amato and I have been friends for decades. Um, and all these guys, um, you know, it's like a, it's a real, it's a real cool sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, but there's great respect. There might be competition at times, especially when you're younger. I think bands try to compete a lot with each other. Right. And I, but, but as you get older, the, the test of time, you mean, you start to realize, wow, there's a reason this guy's still here. There's a reason. And you end up loving the catalog of, of a lot of your friends and, and having great respect for it. Now, I know this is hypothetical and you've, probably never given this any thought or maybe you have, I don't know, but, and there's no real right answer for this, but if 
Um, speaking of your camaraderie and, and friendships with people and stuff like that, and because of your history with, with Neil and whatever, but if you weren't playing in sticks and Ross Valerie exited journey, like he did, do you think they would have called you or do you think you would have had a, do you think you would have wanted to do that gig? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I really liked working with, with Neil, Neil, I, I was working with Neil at a really good time. And Neil's playing and his, he was a fountain of ideas, cool stuff. And he, um, I would, I stayed at his house on, on a few occasions up in, in the, in the Bay area when we were in writing periods and Neil and I would go in, we had Denny Carmassi play drums with us. We had, we brought Dean in at one point, um, and we were writing, um, I still have a bunch of stuff that I should drag out really, uh, writing at that time. And we would just record. Neil had a studio and a really nice place for us to work on this stuff up there. And uh, I think Neil and I uh, maybe are more, were a little too aggressive when we worked together, <laughs> that, you know, for, right. for the journey catalog. Um, it's more, in the, it's the melodic side of, of which is so cool of, of right. journey. Um, I'm not sure we really wrote in that vein. Not, you know, not that we couldn't, but we just weren't. Um, so I don't know. It, it, I think Journey is in a place where they, they just are, they're making baby steps right now because there's just always seems to be some drama there. And, and whatever it is, I love them all. They, they you know, they have deep, long friendships with guys in that band, including Ross, you know. So right. uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I like where I am. <laughs> Well, how like, do you guys, speaking of some of the drama, I mean, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into this subject, but one of the the things that came out with him, there was a lot of infighting within the band for political reasons, right? For the most part, it's to me, it seems like, I mean, other than Sticks back in the day visiting the White House with Ronald Reagan and stuff like that, Sticks is pretty apolitical. And I think in today's day and age, I think that's a good call. Is that is that something that... Is, again, it's just natural. Like you guys don't even want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Cause you don't want to alienate audiences. Uh, just keep that stuff from behind the scenes. Is that even on your mind or just, just like not even a thought? Yeah. You know, we're not Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan. We <laughs> are, uh, I mean, and you know, it's do, do what you got to do. What's in your heart, your soul. And your. I applaud anybody either side of all the fences there are these days. Um, it, it's, uh, for us, it's just it's it's a time of joy and it's a time to bring positivity into everybody's life. I think that's people say, "What is that thing?" I think you and I talked about this. Uh, what is that thing that Sticks has? What is that thing? And and yeah. I think it is that there's always a positive mess, or usually there's a pilot. It might seem to be a little balls out rock and roll song every once in a while, but uh, it's generally some sort of a positive message, uh, you know, whether it's embracing the day or embracing your life or embracing your loved ones or, or embracing what you've got, but it's not shoved down your throat. Like, uh, uh, you know, it's not up with people or something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, your brand is pretty solid. I mean, it's as far as it, when I speak about brand and when I work for an advertising agency, so it's, uh, you know, we, we worry about like how people perceive the, the product, right? So how people perceive sticks as a product. 
it's pretty solid. I think that the, you know, if, if someone's going to be critical of you, it's just like, oh, I don't like that corporate rock, whatever, back in the seventies, whatever. But by and large, people don't dislike sticks. The the people in the band were, you know, they don't have a negative opinion of like, oh, their music is, you know, other than back in the eighties. I remember the 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 backwards messaging that the guys that they had to go through with, uh, you know, yeah. Snowblind and so, which was absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, and and of course the the meaning of the the river sticks, you know, going into the Hades and stuff like that. But um, there's not this cloud of like, are they good guys? Are they bad guys? Is it a good time? But you go to your show, you can tell you guys are having fun. That feeds into the audience. The audience is having fun. And, you know, you, you should look at a sticks show from the audience side once in a while. People yeah. are having a good time. You know what I mean? And, and it's, I know you're in the midst of it and you can't really take well, all that in sometimes. Friends, and my friends or my brother, whoever comes to the show, they'll, they'll say, oh, my God. And they said, where did you, did you like fly all these people in or what? And he's like, <laughs> but but it's kind of cool. It's and when I hear it, we, we, we do see a lot of smiling faces, but we've got a job to do up there. So we're not really focusing in that much. There might be some little kid in the front row or some, somebody will throw a pick two and stuff like that. And, and we try to engage, but we are, it, we, we're at work, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. up there trying, trying to do make, create that, that response. So, um, but we, we feel it, we feel it, but it's great hearing friends who are in the audience, uh, right. various places, whether they're, you know, back behind the, uh, the sound man or they're up front. It's, it's a kind of a different experience. Uh, well, you're going to, you're going to get a, 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 another well reception <laughs> in some ways. There's a lot of people, obviously they don't know this, but, uh, uh, you have another Pittsburgh connection in the band. My buddy, uh, Mark Petricelli, who's Todd's uh, drum tech now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mark and I have talked about hooking up while, while he's in town, but, um, uh, anything, you don't have to give anything away. Cause I don't know if he'll even see this before the show, but you guys plan on anything guy, for him or. I don't know how that guy got to get, no, he's, he, he's, he's a sweetheart. I mean, you've been friends, friends with Todd first, a long time. Yeah. For, for you meet Mark in 30 seconds and you know, he's a sweetheart. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a hard worker. He's Todd's not an easy guy to work for. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of balls in the air. Um, a lot of things that have to be, and, 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 and you know, God bless Polly Carrizo, his passing, mm, uh, yeah. after all these years, he, he was, he's been with six longer than I have. He said he was there a full 20 wow. and, uh, he uh, and he's got quite a past. There's a lot of drummers who he's worked with over the years, and uh, so anybody filling those shoes was going to be tough. And and Marcus moved right in there and done an amazing job. I know I've talked to Todd, and Todd's very pleased, and we're all pleased. Yeah, so, I've known him. For, I've known Mark for I don't know, over over thirty years. So uh, you know, he just he's just a great guy, stand up guy. So he's good to have on the team. Yeah. So, but it's too bad that you're 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 going to be playing in Pittsburgh, which is Saturday the tenth, um, the day before your anniversary with with the band. So, um, but yeah. you know, maybe maybe you can just make it a week long celebration. You know, start <laughs> start in Pittsburgh and let it carry I'm over. In. But it's uh and and you know your your other connection with Pittsburgh, I, I think a lot of people know, is with uh, the song Renegade and the Steelers. 
and you guys have done the national anthem. You've uh, you've played for in, during Steeler games and stuff like that. And it's just a shame they're not. Well, first of all, I think you guys have a gig the day after Pittsburgh. But yeah, we the, do. I think the Steelers start their season playing off in Cincinnati anyway. So that would have been really cool if that if that yeah. timing worked out that you guys could have been here for for a Steelers game. But I just read an article somewhere where they did stats on the Steelers coming from behind to win after they play renegade in the fourth quarter and they have won well more than they've lost whenever they kick on renegade and it just kind of gives the team a big, huge boost for some reason. So I, I love you know. that. I, we all love that. And of course, Tommy especially does, but yeah, we, we saw the thing that was ESPN put together um, on that stat and it showed a bunch of the, of the, uh, the, us playing the song or them uh, uh, playing the song in the stadium. And then, then the, the next play when somebody makes a, an incredible you know, play. T- touchdown on a, or some kind of a big play. And, yep. and it's fun having that relation. We're all love sports and we're all, and, you know, it, this is a, this band enjoys stuff outside of music. And right. that's kind of, I think that's, what makes it easier to be on the road as much as we are and have been for all these decades for uh yeah decades i guess but uh but that the steelers thing is really special it's very cool well, I'm sure the, the Steelers would love to have you back again sometime soon, maybe whenever you're done with this leg of the tour or something, if uh, you can make it back this way. The fans yeah. would love it. The Steelers would love it. be a big, huge uh, uh, boost we, we, to everybody. We love it. Absolutely. So, how about uh, just a couple more things? Um, how important, if at all, is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to you? Um, not as much as it used to be. But I don't think people realize that how that works. And I don't want mm-hmm. really to sit here and explain it. Um, but, um, you know, I know who I've, I, as a kid, I was, before I was probably old enough to, to really know I was developing as a rock lover of rock music, my grandmother, uh, she said, who did she, so she, once she, before she passed, she, uh, when I was a little kid, she said, you know, there's this new band. He said, it kind of reminded me of Buddy Holly meets something else. I can't remember what it was. She said, they're called the Stray Cats. Have you <laughs> heard of them? You know? And, <laughs> and I mean, that's how it's all these genres in, of, of rock and roll that we call rock and roll, this big, huge, you know, banner that that's got all these little different kinds of, um, there are some bands that are overlooked who should have been there long ago. We all know that. And then there's some bands who you're kind of, if you're me and you, a lot of my buddies were scratching our heads going, well, that's okay. You know, whatever, but I don't get it. I mean, I don't put anybody down. There's no reason to, this isn't a stepping, you know, you know, we're not stepping over people, but if there's a little grudge or something, that's just a, with, a, I've seen a lot of bands. There's obviously a grudge about that band. There's a little grudge where it comes from on that side of the fence, who's in control of that. Okay. But I don't really know. And I'm not going to slam anybody or put, because it's not going to make one bit of difference in our right. career. 
not one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not the only one who thinks that uh, sticks should be there. And, you know, maybe that would cause more drama, you know, because of yeah. the, obviously Dennis would have to go in. Um, but yeah. it didn't, it, it worked out fine for Journey with uh, bringing Steve Perry in when, and reuniting with oh, the guys. Oh, yeah. And, stuff, and, and so. I think it, would, it, it should be for any band that has, has that situation. The people that deserve, that helped make it happen, have to, they have to be there. And yeah. uh, there's no question. Well, you've got a, a, a long history of uh, playing in bands and, and uh, being in the music industry that um, I, I would think that it would be only fitting that if sooner or later you get there again with you. Like to me, I don't make that a, a pinnacle of a band's success where they make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because I think a lot of that is music politics behind the scenes that goes on. And um, it, it doesn't really interest me. But yeah. at the same time, it's good to see the bands get the, their, their just due, you know, I mean, you like, yes, going in and rush going in and stuff like this. So, um, yeah. where you don't, you know, th a lot of fans like, well, how do they get in? Whatever, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, I, it, I think that there are some bands that just without question, they just belong in a memorialized forever somewhere in some place like that, whether how it get, how it happens. Yeah. I, that's up yeah. to someone else, obviously. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. And uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, the the uh, stars will align. Uh, you and I are ever in the same town with uh, some time. Maybe we'll get to play some golf together or something. I'm so <laughs> so anything uh, other than when, when, when you get off this leg of the tour, what are you doing besides resting? Well, we do have a, a run we're going to do with Nancy Wilson in Canada in mm -hmm. October. And then um, we're doing something I don't think we've ever done. I think we only have one show in November, and I believe no shows in December. So wow. we've never taken. We've packed in a lot of shows already this year, so we're giving ourselves a little bit of a, a vacay. And, and if unless we get together, we'll probably get together. And I know people are writing. We're all we've all been got little kernels things, and it's probably time to be thinking about that. Um, we've got we're back in sort of that pattern, which is cool. So we'll see. I, I don't know what's going to happen for next year. I know they've been, they're already booked next year. Uh, right. Big, big part of it. They know at least what and who we we're the last to know that <laughs> management <laughs> fills, fills this in. They, you know, it's on a need to know basis and uh, we don't need to know, I guess. So, uh, uh, but it's, it, we're, we're still cranking and, and getting excited to uh, for 2000. Three. I mean, 23, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's what we do. It's what we do. Right. Well, you guys, I, I think are never going to, you know, take your foot off the pedal when that's a, that's a good thing. You know, as long as you guys stay healthy and, uh, you know, keep your voices intact. I think that uh, yeah. there's no reason why you, you shouldn't just, just keep going at it. I mean, the fans Amen, love it. Brother. Um, you know, I'll, I'll see you guys anytime you're around here. If I can make it down to Tampa, since my dad lives down there, I'll, I'll stop by and see you guys. Uh, cause like I said, why, why stop now? It's been 44 years, right? Just let me know, brother. I'll take care of it. Oh, awesome. So for anybody else, you make sure you get to uh, Star Lake. I don't even know what they're calling it anymore. The, the, it, everybody oh, knows it in Pittsburgh as, as the Star Lake Amphitheater. They keep yeah. changing the name every year or whatever. You know it as Star Lake Amphitheater <laughs> in Burgestown, which is just outside of yeah. Pittsburgh. Make sure you get there to see Sticks. I'm sure there's some lawn seats and stuff like that still available. And uh, we'll throw up your your social media uh, handles here so people can connect with you on uh, you're on Instagram, you're on uh, Facebook. Do you do Twitter at all? You know, I kind of stay away from it personally, but yeah, contact me any way you can. 
All right. Awesome. And uh, so, you know, I hope everybody's having a great, uh, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend. This is sometimes forget these things like, you know, swing by so quick. We got a holiday weekend, especially when you're on tour. You're like, oh, really? It's a holiday weekend. (laughs) Not for you guys. (laughs) There's no no rest for the wicked there. Uh, Ricky, I I appreciate you lending us your time and, uh, you know, being here and we hope you have a we know you're having a great show in pittsburgh and i always uh, love chatting with you michael this is awesome one other thing thing i wanted to say real quick you you know we've we've had you've sent me some really interesting stories of of messaging before just you were cracking me up so bad have you ever thought about writing a book about the funny things that happened to you on tour i mean that that's you had some really good anecdotes you should write a book put them in a book really oh yeah i've probably forgotten all the anecdotes now (laughs) but Uh, yeah if you could recall them i think it would make an interesting book so um fun and funny as hell man but uh so anyways so appreciate you being here for uh sorry the big m can't make it with us but folks you know he's out uh, promoting his uh new ep uh just me and hopefully you so go out and make sure you download that for free it's available to everybody out there uh for ricky phillips uh i am michael cadry this is the blabber brain show and we'll see you next time cheers michael